The Truth News Network. Election laws changed by bureaucrats. The courts ignore the challenges. Boxes of ballots simply appear in the dark. The courts refuse to hear the evidence. The press is not interested in the stories. And candidates become elected under clouds of fraud. And the people are told to sit down and shut up. It's time for the people to stand up and right these wrongs. To tell the fraudsters that we're done being told there's nothing to see. When the cover-ups are out in plain sight. It's time for the truth. And this is TNN. The Truth News Network. And here to spell it out is Dan Newman. Isn't it ironic that in the aftermath of what we saw and what we heard and what we watched and knew was real, but you can't talk about it. If you if you talk about the potential that there may have been some electioneering, some fraud that makes you an evil person, and just because you exercise your First Amendment rights you're hauled off to prison. That's what happened. And look what we're facing right now. We've got another big election coming up next year in November. In fact, we have this particular really big and important election every four years. That's when, in the past at least, Americans determined who was going to serve in the White House and who was going to serve on both sides of the Capitol. But now, all of the hoo-ha, the screaming, the hollering, the false arrest, the ignoring the rule of law completely by this administration, in that atmosphere, with that as the background of what we're facing today, we have this stupid, unbelievable opinion brought down by the Supreme Court of Colorado, and it has set the left on fire. Why? Because that court is just dropping an amazing slew of Christmas gifts to everybody on the left who is scared. I started to say a nasty word, but they are scared to death that there may still be a chance for Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States. We're going to get into all of that. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the facts and the details that we already belabored pretty exhaustively in yesterday's show. But there's some new information out there that drops right into the ground of the core of this whole debacle and explains the legal stuff. Oh, my gosh. We're going to leave the opinion part? We're going to go straight to the legal Well, yeah, I think we need to get to the facts. That's what we do here. And what do we do in between shows? We do investigative work, discerning, finding facts that we can bring to you. And I need not tell you, on the other side, the other side of the political spectrum, there are very few fact-sayers out there. You've already seen some. You've already heard some. And they're going to scream and holler, Shout from the mountaintops about this all the way up to the election, no matter who is running. But if one of those should be Donald Trump, they will immediately begin to beat the drum of Russia collusion. (laughs) That's, That's the only thing they can ever come up with that they think can make stick about Donald Trump and everything they've done 
every trial they put out there to find a way to kick him out of office, impeached him twice, wasn't convicted in either one of those Senate trials. That means, you know what, he's innocent. And then all of these indictments that have been come out by the far leftist version of, I don't know, uh, some tyrant, Jack. All I have to say is Jack, and you know who I'm talking about. All those indictments, all those allegations, all those charges, how many has he been convicted for? None. And it looks like most of, if not all of them, he will not be convicted for. And even the civil trial, this uh, unbelievable conglomerate of allegations with no foundation, and it goes the whole suit by the Attorney General of New York State. The whole suit is unconstitutional. All that and more, but we need to also be mindful there are many other important things happening in our nation and around the world that apply to us, but we're not going to forget. We're just three days away from Christmas. It's a great time of year. It's a great time of year to not um, obsess about the bad things going on around us. Now, I'm not mitigating, not diminishing in any way. There aren't many bad things going around, but we need to pause We need to celebrate our families. We need to celebrate our Christianity. And we need to pause and be thankful. At least, as Rush Limbaugh said often, at least we haven't assumed room temperature yet. A lot of things to be thankful for. We're going to concentrate on those things. And we've been playing at the top of every show here at TNN Live. At the top of the show, we play a good Christmas song. And on our way out of each show, we do the same thing, and we're going to do it today. We'll do it tomorrow, and then we'll be through the Christmas season. It's come and gone pretty quickly, hasn't it? We're going to do a uh, a digital song for you. You're going to recognize this. Mannheim, Mannheim Steamroller and their version from The Messiah Hallelujah. I think you're going to like this. It's a bit different, but uh, it's still a good song. And these guys know what they're doing. They recorded this over 25 years ago, but it's still appropriate and it's still good. Mannheim Steamroller, the chorus from the Messiah. Hallelujah.
the birth of the synthesizer. That's who that was. That's Mannheim Steamroller. 25 years ago, man. A lot of things have changed in the last 25 years. I know every one of us will agree with that. Um, one thing hasn't changed. There are more than one thing. But the Christmas season and what it means, what it's about. And we've always been pretty successful at kind of looking away from the bad stuff. The mob rule, you know, where anybody can say anything, truth doesn't matter, and they expect anything they say to be swallowed just as is without any questions. That, of course, has nothing to do with the truth, with facts, no matter what the topic of conversation is. They're progressives. Who gave them the right to call that whole ideology of the left progressive? It's anything but progressive. I can't ever think of a way they could justify calling their ideology progressive because it is not progressive. That word means moving forward. It's moving backward. Nobody can credibly say that's not what's going on. Well, I can't even call the Democratic Party, I can't call it that, and I don't. If you're a regular here, I call their party the Democrat Party. If they were Democratic, they would demand all of the leaders, especially those from their own political party, to support democracy. Now, wait a minute, Dan. Oh, we we are told every day that Donald Trump is an anti-democracy wannabe president, that if he is elected, he will destroy democracy. Just chew on this for just a minute. Name me one thing, just one. Text it to me, call in, toll free. Tell me one thing that Donald Trump did during his four years in the White House that was not based upon the constitutional determination of what is and what isn't democratic. Now, you want to hear some of Joe Biden's anti-democracy, anti-democratic actions that he takes every day? I'm not going to go there. You know what the most obvious one is. He forgets about the rule of law. He forgets about the Constitution. He forgets about federal immigration laws. He forgets about the fact that no president has the unfettered right to just write a check on the taxpayers' accounts on his own. He has no accountability to anybody else because he's Hitler. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. He is a fascist. That is the definition of what those are, folks. A leader or a very small group of people, they're called authoritarian because they don't have to mind or listen to the people that are supposedly being represented. They can do what they want to do with impunity. Doesn't matter. We're the boss. We've got the unfettered right to do anything we want. And if you don't like it, sit down and shut up. And that just swings right over into the lane of the Colorado Supreme Court and their determination that they have the unfettered right to unconstitutionally make people across America vote for who these justices think they should vote for 
and take away the rights of American voters. That's about as unconstitutional as you can get. But then there's Joe Biden, right? What does Joe think about it? Well, he just stuck his foot in his own mouth yesterday, which he does principally about every day, once or twice. Here's what he said yesterday. Reporters grabbed him. They caught him out in the open. The day after the Denver-based court struck that blow against democracy by legitimizing the use of an archaic Civil War provision to rig the game against Trump. And that move, by the way, is likely to be mimicked in a bunch of other blue states. Cornerstone of the court's ruling. Here it is. Trump, having participated in an insurrection as in a serious effort to overthrow the government, that disqualified him from running for public office, something that the often befuddled octogenarian Democrat, that's Joe, he seems to agree with. Yesterday, out in the open air, Biden was asked this, is Trump an insurrectionist, sir? And that was asked by a reporter as Biden walked across the tarmac at Milwaukee Mitchell Airport after he arrived to deliver a speech to a black organization. The president's reply, it's self-evident. You saw it all, Biden answered. Whether the 14th Amendment applies or not, we'll let the court make the decision, he added. But he couldn't shut up. He continued. Biden said, but he certainly supported an insurrection. There's no question about it. None. Zero. And he seems to be doubling down on it. Well, formally accusing his almost certain opponent in next year's pivotal presidential election of being an insurrectionist, that's par for the course for Joe. He's a demagogue, a shameless one, as a matter of fact. Last year stood in front of a blood-red background in Philadelphia's Independence Hall. You remember seeing that? It looked demonic to me on television. And Joe tabbed tens of millions who didn't vote for him. What did he call them in that speech? Enemies of the state. Now, does that sound like somebody that's a believer in democracy? If you don't believe what he believes, that makes you an enemy of the state, which he is the head of today. Ex-users reacted to the very first public remarks on that Colorado ruling from Joe. And remember, Joe promised over and over again in his campaign for office to be a unifier, not a divider. That's another one of the big lies that have marked his tenure as the closest thing to an American dictator that the U.S. has ever had. And they're calling Donald Trump a dictator wannabe, a Hitler, a king. This guy, every day, commits a handful of unconstitutional actions, at least. And he does it benignly, like, hey, that's just what we do. We're Democrats. When we get to control, we're just going to do everything that we want to do. Yesterday, layer upon layer, person after person, weighed in on this Colorado rendering by the Supreme Court there on 
preventing Donald Trump to be on the ballot in Colorado. Next level never Trumping played out all day yesterday, last night. Corporate media, they trotted out a new token right-wing apologist peddling justification for the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling that bars Trump from the state's ballot. Giving off full the Princess Bride energy, former U.S. Court of Appeals Judge J. Michael Luddick repeatedly described the 4-3 ruling in Colorado as unassailable. Now, don't throw up. Here's what he said. The individual justices of the Colorado Supreme Court brought honor to their court, as well as to the state and federal judiciaries, with their opinion tonight in this historic case. He was talking to, of course, CNN and Pamela Brown. Their opinion is unassailable under the objective law of the federal constitution and Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. The Supreme Court of the United States ought to affirm this decision today, he said. So you may remember Ledig. He worked alongside former Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe. He had previously published a piece in the Atlantic, which is nothing but a hard blue rag. And in his piece, he peddled his logic. And he went on to say this, quote, I called it unassailable because, as you noted, the preeminent Constitution scholar of our time, Professor Lawrence Tribe, and I have been studying this for three years, now in the wake of January 6th. Professor Tribe has been studying Section 3 of the 14th Amendment literally for his entire career. So when we say that the opinion is unassailable, that means he and I have taken into account every single argument contrary to every point made by the court today and concluding all of the contrary evidence to the opinion tonight, and it is unassailable. He added that the Supreme Court will have to decide what the meaning of an insurrection or rebellion is for the purposes of the 14th Amendment. And that's what the Supreme Court of Colorado did today. And its reasoning and its support for that conclusion is also unassailable. Of course, Luddick's position made him an instant hero and the pinnacle of conservatism to everybody who most often clutched their pearls over threats to democracy by the orange man. Of course, Luddick didn't bring up any facts, you know, Basically, he said, Larry Tribe, in his opinion, is the only opinion in the judiciary in the United States, everywhere. Nobody can assail the opinion of Lawrence Tribe. Meanwhile, this is going on. CNN's senior legal analyst, Eli Honig, had knocked Luddick and Tribe's argument in August. Now, this is CNN, a legal analyst. This analyst, Eli Honig, said the problem is that the 14th Amendment tells us nothing about how that decision gets made, nor does any case law or statute that's been passed. Does Congress decide? Is it the Senate? Is it the House? Is it a majority? Is it two-thirds? It is a court, a jury, or is it a judge? 
<laughs> and these two brain surgeons that call themselves and what they say is unassailable. <laughs> what they're proposing essentially is, and this is coming again from Eli Honig, what they're proposing essentially is, well, every state, local, county official who handles ballots would just decide on their own whether he's disqualified or not. That would lead to wild inconsistency and chaos. And I don't think that's a viable practical solution here. At the same time, George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley that you're going to hear from in a little bit, he reacted and told former White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany, who was filling in as host of Hannity on Fox News, I think they are dead wrong on the law. I think it's fundamentally flawed, both in terms of the language of the Constitution and the history. They had to adopt the most sweeping interpretation on every single issue. The only opinion that's not sweeping is when they get to the First Amendment and free speech. Then they adopt a very narrow interpretation. Now, this is Jonathan Turley. They suggest Trump doesn't have free speech protection. In order to establish that he was engaged in an insurrection, they go back to speeches in 2016, and they basically daisy-chain these speeches to say this, quote, look, he's been at this for a long time. They're using that as a reason to believe that kicking him off the ballot is legal. Turley said, I think the factual and legal basis of this opinion is really so porous that the Supreme Court will make fast work of it. So here's the, none of this is funny, but individual little pieces of it make me just laugh my butt off. And the thing that I'm loving here is the so-called experts on the left. Every one of them, every single one of those people that have been held up as the bastions of judicial honesty and unassailable, that's their term, unassailable. (laughs) And their unassailable philosophies are full of holes. And you can't go to the Constitution and come up with the conclusion that kicking Donald Trump this time, uh, who next time? Who in a state election gets to determine who can get kicked off a ballot? Where does it say in the Constitution that any judges whatsoever are authorized to make such a decision? It's not even mentioned. According to the U.S. Constitution, you know who decides who's going to be the next president of the United States? Not judges. Certainly not media personalities. You and I do. And we do it at the ballot box. And just one little thing I'd throw out there. In the Constitution, if you want to run for president, you're held to three things. Native-born, got to be born in the United States. Um, That's number one. Number two, I don't even know what number two or three are. I can't remember. But there are three things. That's all. I do know this. If you're in jail and you want to run for president, 
According to the Constitution, you have every constitutional right to do just that. And there are so many other things. Look, we're going to take our first break. When I come back, we're not going to go into this. We're going to wait a little bit before I let you hear from some folks. We've got our audiences building, and we want everybody to listen in. But I'm going to give you the details of a divorce agreement. Now, what does this have to do with this election stuff, Dan? It doesn't. But I am taking this this divorce agreement, and I'm going to activate it and use it personally. What the heck are you talking about? You'll understand after this. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples. Make more happen. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius. No delicious. No both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry. This is... This is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks, excludes freezes. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky barbecue. Cheddar sour cream salt and vinegar too. You sample them all, cause the crisp is so good on your lips, yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. get into my um, divorce agreement, let me just tell you something that I just saw. Delaware's own Senator Chris Coons, he claimed last night that it would be okay for anybody right now to assassinate Donald Trump. Did you hear me? Democrat Senator Chris Coons of Delaware claimed that, and I'm quoting him, any action that makes it less likely for former President Donald Trump to return to office should encourage Americans. Now, I'm quoting him, any actions that makes it less likely for former President Donald Trump to return to office should encourage Americans. Now, how do you get that to be a threat of 
assassination. He said anything that they want to do is okay. Everybody needs to get in line and just make it happen. And he said anything. That's ridiculous, Dan. It's about as ridiculous as what's going on out there when the left are crucifying former President Donald Trump. And it has nothing to do with the law. But they're twisting it as they always do. And they're making it, these experts are making it about the Constitution gives courts the ability to do that. That's just one more reason why I've got this divorce agreement. You want to hear it? Dear American liberals, leftists, social progressives, socialists, Marxists, and Joe Biden supporters, (laughs) we have stuck together since the early 1950s for the sake of our kids, but the whole of this latest election process and what's going on right now has made me realize I want a divorce. I know we tolerated each other for many years for the sake of future generations, but sadly, this relationship has clearly run its course. Our two ideological sides of America cannot and will not ever agree on what is right for us all. So let's just end it now and promise we're going to be friends. We can smile and chalk it up to irreconcilable differences, and then we each go our own way. So here's my proposed agreement for us. Our two groups can equitably divide up the country by landmass, each side taking a similar portion. That will be the difficult part. But I'm sure we both can come to a friendly agreement. After that, it should be relatively easy. Our respective representatives can effortlessly divide other assets since both sides have such distinct and disparate tastes. We don't like redistributive taxes, so you can keep them. You're welcome to the liberal judges and the ACLU. We don't want them. And since you hate guns and war, we'll take our firearms, the cops, the National Rifle Association, and the military. We'll take the nasty, smelly oil industry and those coal mines, and you can go with wind, solar, electric, and biodiesel. You can have all of them. While we're talking about that, you can keep Oprah, Whoopi, Bill Maher, Michael Moore, and Rosie O'Donnell. However, you are solely responsible for finding an electric vehicle big enough to move all five of them. We'll keep capitalism. We'll keep the greedy corporations, pharmaceutical companies, Walmart, and Wall Street. You don't like any of those anyway. You can have your beloved lifelong welfare dwellers, food stamps, homeless, homeboys, hippies, druggies, and illegal aliens. You can have them all. We'll just just take something else. We'll keep the hot Alaskan hockey moms, greedy CEOs, and rednecks from down south. You know, the people y'all call KKK members. We'll keep Sean Hannity. 
and Bibles, and we'll give you NBC, CNN, ABC, CBS. We'll give you all of those. And while we're carting that over for you, we'll we'll just send you the title to Hollywood. You can make nice with Iran and the Palestinians. We'll retain the right to invade and hammer places that threaten us. You can have the peaceniks and the war protesters and George Soros. When our allies on our way of life are under assault, we'll help provide them security. We'll keep our Judeo-Christian values, too. You're welcome to Islam, Scientology, humanism, political correctness, and even Shirley MacLaine. You can also have the UN, but we're not going to pay their bill, and we want you to kick them off of our island. We'll keep SUVs, pickup trucks, oversized luxury cars. You can take every Volt, every Leaf, and every Tesla. After all, Joe took billions of our dollars in his infrastructure bill, and and he put charging stations along every interstate, north and south in the United States. So wait a minute, I forgot. He took the money, but he hasn't finished a single charging station. But that's up to you going forward. You can give everyone, everybody you want health care if you can find any practicing doctors. We'll keep the battle hymn of the republic, the national anthem. I'm sure you'll be happy to substitute imagine. I'd like to teach the world to sing kumbaya or we are the world. You can have them. We're going to keep practicing trickle-down economics. You can continue to give trickle-up poverty. Give it your best shot. Since it so often offends you, we'll keep our history, we'll keep our name, and we'll keep the red, white, and blue as a representation of who we are. Will you agree to this? If so, please pass it around to like-minded people that you want to work with you. We're going to pass it around to every conservative patriot. And if you don't agree, just hit delete. In the spirit of friendly parting, I'll bet you may think about which one of us will need whose help in about 10 to 15 years. In my mind, I've already left them. The divorce is finalized a long time ago. But you know what's interesting is more and more people that have followed and devoured and made part of their psyche all of the leftist things and many more that we didn't include in the divorce agreement. And they're just now beginning to wake up and realize they made a mistake. Maybe not a mistake maybe more than a escape. So let's move on to the nighttime shows yesterday evening. Laura Ingram, one of my favorite. I don't play a lot of her stuff, but honestly, it's always good. I'll be honest with you. The reason I don't play a lot of it is because it gets a little wordy. So, 
I'm trying to figure out which one of these I want you to listen to first. Well, let's go here. What did, what did Trump have to say about the stuff that came out from the Colorado court? We haven't heard much from him. Here's one thing he said when he was at a campaign crowd-loaded group up in Iowa. Donald Trump was campaigning in Iowa last night, and he responded to what happened in Colorado. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far-left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. All right. If we're to believe the polls, what Trump is saying right there is true. I mean, virtually every poll right now, when they show you the head-to-head Trump and Biden, Trump is now winning. Uh, Brock just made the point that any red state today should just announce that they're taking Biden off the ballot. Like, you guys want to do this? We'll do this. But you see what that is. Like, it's it's a joke, obviously, but it was a joke, right? Meh. Maybe. Uh, but the point is, if you start doing this tit for tat thing, oh, you see what they did in that state? They don't, they got rid of our guy. They didn't like him. Why don't we see if we can get more judges in that will act hourly? By the way, the four to three court, if I'm not mistaken, uh, were all appointed by Democrat governors. Um, so again, that goes to the partisan part that uh, Rachel Maddow is not going to want to tell you about. Now I want to show you some of the reaction from across the political spectrum, and most of it actually was pretty good. Uh, we'll start with RFK Jr., who was, I think he still considers himself a kind of old school liberal, but he is no longer a Democrat, now running as an independent who is not allowed to campaign in the early primary states uh, against Joe Biden, because if he even shows up in the states, the DNC, which is way more corrupt than virtually any other institution in the country. And we've got some pretty corrupt institutions. They said that if you campaign in these states, we will not allow anyone to vote for you. Uh, So the Democrats, Trump is right, are no friends of democracy, nor is Joe Biden. But here's RFK's response. Every American should be troubled by the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to remove President Trump from the ballot. He continued with about an eight tweet thread, but that gets to the heart of it. Everybody's taking sides in this, as should occur. What I hope is let's keep talking. Let's keep giving our opinions and finally finding where we're getting those opinions and based on what. Now that will be the big one. I mentioned Laura Ingram last night. She said that Joe Biden is too afraid to face Donald Trump fair and square in the 2024 election. Biden is trailing Trump in the polls. Some polls, he's trailing a bunch. Joe claimed Trump supported an insurrection on Wednesday when Joe was asked about the Colorado Supreme Court 4-3 ruling to disqualify Trump from the ballot next year. Biden is so afraid of voters in the U.S. that he cannot risk facing Trump fair and square. Let's not kid ourselves. This 14th Amendment argument will not be limited to Trump. And if it's allowed to stand, if it's successful, Democrats would certainly apply the same standards to Ron DeSantis and whoever else they want to. And going forward, they would try to ban any Republican that expressed serious doubts about an election where a Democrat was declared the winner. Now, 
Biden's blatant attack on democracy will destroy his credibility and it'll happen all over the world. I don't think he can destroy it, Laura. I think it's gone. Today, Biden trails Trump by almost 3% in the real clear politics average, which is an average of the top six or seven polls. Now, that's from December 4th to December 18th. Trump received 65% support in the real clear politics average of polls, and he's leading Republican Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida by a paltry 53.7%. Democrats, Democrats, <laughs> maybe that's what I ought to call it. They're seething. They're going crazy. They're freaking out. They're also stuck. And now they've sabotaged themselves with this latest thing that Colorado Supreme Court instigated. They're so consumed hating Trump, and not just Trump himself, but the MAGA insurrectionists called Republicans and conservatives. They just can't see the damage they're doing to their own cause. Forget about the country. By the way, this decision by the Supreme Court, Ingram's, and she clerked for the White House. She clerked uh, for Clarence Thomas, I believe, as a White House assistant, not White House, Supreme Court, um, whatever they call the workers for these justices. She's got some pretty heavy judicial knowledge. She said, this decision is not going to hurt the populist or the America firsters. It proves that the populists were right. For years, we warned that Americans are governed by an elite class that has nothing but contempt for the working people of our country. Those elites are going to try to hold on to power by any means necessary. And now, all of us, all Americans understand that. And it's becoming more apparent every day as the layers of conversation and information that gives us the facts about the Colorado Supreme Court decision and how it is anti-constitutional, and it will certainly be killed quickly and probably with a nine-to-nothing majority in the U.S. Supreme Court. So Newt Gingrich, he, shoo up, he sh showed up on Laura's show last night, and Newt and Laura had some new thoughts to put on this. Joining me now is Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House and Fox News contributor. Newt, um, there have been a, a number of concerns raised by how this lawfare, as we just discussed in the last segment with two former Supreme Court clerks, I made three of us, about how this is being used to short-circuit the electorate. And yet, and yet we, have, we have Republicans even out there saying, oh, well, if this happens, then we'll move on as a country. Do you think that all will be well? If for some reason the Supreme Court does not correct what was done in Colorado? No, I think this is a potentially catastrophe. A million three hundred and sixty thousand Coloradans voted for Donald Trump in the last election. Four lawyers want to block him from being on the ballot. That means uh, basically for every three hundred and forty thousand uh, Coloradans who voted for Trump, one lawyer is stopping them. Uh, that's a system of establishment arrogance that's not sustainable. 
Uh, and the last great effort like this was the 10 states that refused to put Abraham Lincoln on the ballot in 1860. Uh, the American people are not going to tolerate, and I hope the Supreme Court fully understands this, the American people are not going to tolerate being told that they're not allowed to have a choice for who they want to have as president. This is not Venezuela. It's not Nicaragua. It's not Cuba. And I think the Democrats are dangerously close to causing the kind of confrontation that would be truly disastrous for the country. Now, to that point, um, I want to play something that the lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, <clears throat> floated on our show last night. Newt got a lot of attention. Watch. Seeing what happened in Colorado makes me think, except we believe in democracy in Texas, maybe we should take Joe Biden off the ballot in Texas for allowing 8 million people to cross the border since he's been president. Newt, I mean, uh, look at what's happened to America with this open border. I mean, it, it, that in and of itself is it's its own type of, of insurrection against sovereignty, against the rule of law. So, I mean, is this not a natural well, reaction if this is the precedent they set? Yes. Look, Biden's illegal immigration policy, which leads to Biden's illegal immigrants, is a disaster and it's deliberate. It's not there's not a failure on the border. There's a deliberate policy on the border to maximize the number of people who come in. The next stage will be for the left to demand that they be allowed to vote, even though they're here illegally. Uh, you can see the whole process. And that's why we are, I think, moving dangerously close to a really genuine confrontation over the very nature of America. You've seen it on the college campuses uh, with the anti-Semitic uprising in favor of terrorism uh, and a realization that the universities are wildly out of control and teaching things that are just plain crazy. Uh, there is a point where the average American is going to say, this is totally wrong. I think what President Biden said today is proof the people who want to destroy democracy are the Democrats. Ask Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's been blocked at every stage. Ask the people from no labels who've been fought in every state. Uh, the Democrat idea is they get to win because no one else gets to compete. And I think that the average American, as they realize that, the level of anger at the Democratic Party is going to become dramatic. Do you think, Newt, civil unrest is a possibility here if this continues, if these types of attacks against real the democratic process continues? Well, I think what, what uh, you heard last night from the Texas contingent tells you, you know, this is still a country where states have enormous levels of freedom. Uh, and if we're going to get into a real knockdown, drag-out fight, uh, you, you, but, which would be crazy. Let me, let me emphasize. Where we are right now, what the Democrats are doing right now is insane and is in danger of tearing apart the whole society. But you could imagine a circumstance in hardline Republican states where they have absolute control of the legislature and of the governorship. There are probably 10 or 15 or 20 states that could strip the Democrats off the ballot. That would be nuts. It would be totally yeah. wrong. Uh, but that's what that's what they are setting up is that what you now have is basically <clears throat> a fascist Democratic Party who believe in government control, government domination. And by the way, in a number of states like Michigan and California, they've passed laws strengthening the governor's ability to have emergency power, which I think is very, very foreboding, mm -hmm. given how much they abused it in 2020. All right. 
just another version, another opinion. And it seems like on fundamental facts, it seems like every few hours something new is revealed about how this action taken by the Colorado Supreme Court, how it plays within the rule of law and the Constitution. And it's interesting. Personal politics of the people that are commenting is the only thing that matters. And this is nothing different from what we've seen throughout the years. Look at Roe v. Wade, all the way back to the early 1970s when it was confirmed to be constitutional and it was confirmed that way and it was not constitutional. The court back then just bowed to the far left and it only dealt with what a woman and her body can or cannot do. Bending the facts to fit a political narrative is not what the Constitution was intended to do, and it's certainly not what it's supposed to be doing now and has been doing in the past. Now, let me tell you how much lunacy is in this. You hear all the talk about the country of El Salvador down in Central America, not too progressive a country, but the president of El Salvador yesterday talking about this entire thing and the way Joe Biden and people in his administration have pushed this, he said this, the United States of America no longer has the right to askew any other country on the planet and the way they conduct their country's business and compare it to what they've compared it to forever, which is the government of the United States. They can no longer discuss democracy with any other leader of any other country. Think about that. We're supposed to be the shining light on the hill. And there's a prominent, he's been in office for more than a decade, the president of El Salvador. And we go down there. In fact, our vice president went down there after they were elected. She was chosen to be the border czar, and she went down to meet with this president. He didn't even want to talk to her. And they didn't have a very good meeting or conversation. I know Kamala Harris having a little problem having a conversation doesn't shock you. But nevertheless, these are third world people that we have stuck our noses up in the air for generations and told them, made them feel like they're subservient to us and their thoughts about anything for their own countries. They don't deserve that. They need to be just like us you know, democratic. We're going to take a break on the other side of this. We've got some really nasty stuff to talk about, about other topics. And we can't forget life out there includes more than politics. And then we're going to hear from constitutional expert Jonathan Turley in a conversation with Kellyanne Conway, who was a former behind-the-scenes director 
of the Trump campaign. You don't want to miss any of this. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks. Just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior fry, and value drink. Price participation may vary. News coming out of our government, this time a story about Department of Homeland Security DHS Secretary Mayorkas. He is directly responsible for massive waste and abuse of taxpayer dollars in his handling of the crisis at the southern border. This is from a new report just released this morning by House Homeland Security Committee. The report says under Mayorkas' leadership, the use of hotel rooms to house illegal immigrants instead of taxpayer-funded beds and ICE facilities, along with the cancellation of Donald Trump's border wall construction, that's all resulted in massive overspending and waste on the American taxpayer's dime. The report also marks the final portion of committee chairman Mark Green's investigation into Mayorkas It kicked off very quietly back in June. Republican Georgia Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene filed articles of impeachment against Mayorkas, a move that Democrats killed. The Homeland Security Committee is set to take up the proceedings early in 2024. In keeping with the House of Representatives' vote last month to refer articles of impeachment against Mayorkas to our committee, we'll be moving swiftly into impeachment proceedings in the new year. So what do these numbers look like? ICE projected that each bed cost $142.44 or less in its fiscal year budget, according to the report. Meanwhile, the Biden administration contracted with companies to help house illegal migrants in hotels, a much more costly decision. From halting construction on a bought-and-paid-for border wall to leaving detention beds empty and empowering any enforcement officials at ICE, Secretary Mayorkas's reckless decision-making and his open border policies have led to the waste and abuse of billions of taxpayer dollars. 
Example, administration, re, they awarded a roughly $86 million contract to house illegal migrant families in hotels at the cost of $392 per room per night. An April 2022 Inspector General's report found that ICE did not adequately justify the need for the sole source contract to house migrant families and spend approximately $17 million for hotel space and services at six different hotels, and they went unused. We paid for them, $17 million, and we did not use them between April and June of 21. ICE's sole source contract with Endeavors resulted in millions of dollars being spent on unused hotel space. And there's more. Committee report found that states are having to bear the brunt of the cost of housing illegals that DHS is purposefully passing. Each day, it costs New York City roughly $339 to house a family and $184 for single adults. Our most recent report showed cities and states across this country are paying the financial price of those Joe Biden Alejandro Mayorkas policies. What this evidence shows is that the Fed is also wasting taxpayer resources in a massive scale. This latest report provides much needed transparency for the American people who should not be forced to pay the cost of Mayorkas and his refusal to enforce the law any longer. Now, I know when you heard that, you said exactly what I said when I first heard about it. Why the heck aren't we doing anything about it? We're told all the time that the House of Representatives has the constitutional sole authority regarding financial spending by the federal government. And we can't stop this. Have you heard of any real attempt by members of Congress to stop it, stop the spending? If you have the majority, and granted it is a a very slim majority in the House, you should be able to take these processes and make them, rewrite them, restructure them, and make them what they should be. Nobody can claim that it's okay to leave billions of dollars on the table of taxpayer money for anything, let alone with these illegals. You do understand Getting them a few nights in a hotel room and food and all that, that's just a small thing. Probably 99% of the cost of the illegals only begins when they're sent away or let loose. God knows who is where in the case of these illegal immigrants. They're not immigrants, illegal aliens in the United States. I actually saw a notice to report that was at the southern border yesterday, a live picture of a uh, media reporter. He got a live picture of an actual notice to appear for an asylum claim. And we know the, the immigration judges down south are, they're overtaxed. They're shorthanded. We know that. It's taken a long time to get to these asylum claims, let alone with Joe Biden opening up the gate 
and Alejandro Mayorkas standing on the other side and waving anybody and everybody apart, and they told them how to do it and get away with it, you just claim asylum. There are specifics in the law that justify somebody making that claim. But what Mayorkas is doing, in an effort to, that's working pretty well, keep those illegals here and making the taxpayer pay for everything, 100%, is just flooding the nation with 90 plus percent of those claiming asylum will not be eligible for asylum. This one guy, yesterday he got a notice to appear, you know the date of his appearance for the first appearance before an immigration judge, nine, excuse me, 2031. 2031 is when his case comes before an immigration judge to consider his asylum claim. What does he do in the meantime? He floats. He's going to do stuff that you or I probably would never do. And how can I say that? Because he's never lived here. You and I have. We have our lives. We know how to live the right way, what to do, how to fit in. But if you came here illegally, your being here is illegal. What's he going to do for the next eight years? And he's just one of about eight million that Joe Biden has let in. Let's move on. It was kind of uh, a shock to me when I heard that a prominent transgender LGBTQ activist from Philly who went viral back in 2020, he was arrested Monday of this week for raping two young boys. Kendall Stevens, a 37-year-old transgender woman, was charged with rape, involuntary assault, unlawful contact with minors, an indecent assault against people less than 13 years old. Stevens went viral back in 2020 when he claimed that he'd been the victim of a group assault that he'd characterized as a hate crime. This alleged incident, it skyrocketed him into local celebrity status, gave him enough clout that he was able to work with legislators to pass laws that protect members of the LGBT community. He said, I went to class the next day. I was beaten because, let me tell you something, no one is going to steal my pride. No one is going to steal my power. We deserve better than we have gotten. We are human beings. He boasted all of that on CBS News. He's now back in the spotlight, albeit for a very sinister reason. According to the victim's aunt, Aunt Kendall Stevens, had been a family friend who'd taken advantage of their trust. She's a family friend who has been around since they were born. You had this aunt stature in their life, and they're thinking, I don't want to tell an adult because I don't want something bad to happen to Aunt Kendall. The abuse was originally reported to the cops in 23, this year, September 25th. The aunt said her youngest nephew, who's just seven, reported the alleged abuse to their grandma, and that's when she says her two other nephews opened up. We were able to sit them down individually. That's when they broke down and cried and said everything that happened. And then when she, along with the boy's mother, confronted Stevens, he didn't deny it to us. 
Instead, he tried to flip the story and claim that one of the boys, only nine years old, had tried to kiss her, him. No, he didn't, the aunt said. I feel like she was grooming my nephews. My nephews have definitely endured a lot. The aunt also expressed worry that Stevens might use his fame to avoid facing justice. I don't want her stature to be able to use this reputation and think it's going to be able to get her out of this spot because what she did to my nephews is unbelievable. This is the aunt talking. Stevens is now one of a growing number of LGBT-linked suspects who have been caught either grooming kids or being in possession of child pornography. In the summer of 2022, for example, a Pennsylvania drag queen and activist was charged with 25 counts of child pornography. Bryce Williams, a local drag queen who counseled LGBT youth in Harrisburg, has been charged with downloading photos and videos of child pornography two years ago. Williams, age 26, of Chambersburg, is charged with 25 counts of child pornography for at least 49 pictures, 25 videos of naked prepubescent boys that the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office said he downloaded between May and December of 2020. Most recently, last April, an Idaho high school teacher who'd also reportedly been an outspoken LGBT activist was arrested for allegedly raping a student he taught once. Eric McDermott, 59 of Meridian, faces charges of rape and sexual battery committed by lewd or lascivious acts on a minor, 16 to 17 years of age. According to the prosecution, McDermott, who's a geography teacher, or was, and boys basketball coach at Fairmont Junior High, taught the student when he was 15. One year later, McDermott in 2020 allegedly contacted the student on a dating hookup site where he proceeded to speak to the boy for a few days and send him nude photos. Eventually, the Fairmont Junior High teacher picked the boy up, drove him to his home, and then allegedly sexually assaulted him. We could tell these stories over and over and over and never cover all of them. This comes partially from the woke environment in which we find ourselves. It comes from the fact that now sexual status is no longer biological. You just make a decision and bam, hey, I'm no longer a human. I'm a pig. I'm a turkey. I'm a snake. You can be whatever you think, and people have to honor that. It's not about facts. It's about the way we feel or the way we think. Another example has nothing to do with sexually related stuff. The president of one of the largest teachers unions in the country said this yesterday. Families having a choice of what school their children attend is undermining and is anti-democratic. You can find it yourself. It's in a viral clip, a video from American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten declaring her beliefs in a rant about school choice. The teachers union boss ripped into school choice advocates 
including former White House Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, American Federation for Children's Senior Fellow Corey DeAngelis, and Manhattan Institute's Christopher Rufo. These are people that kind of know about kids. They have not one thing that they offer as a solution other than privatizing or voucherizing schools, which is about undermining democracy and undermining civil discourse and undermining pluralism because 90% of our kids go to public schools still. Let me just stop there and explain to you how school choice is working in multiple states and education districts around the nation. Nobody wants to talk good and tell you the good that comes from this. Here's how school choice in states impacts public schools. Here's the way it's structured. I'll, I'll use Oklahoma as an example. That's the most recent. Their state comes up, and it's pretty easy to do. They all have public education departments. They all, the in these and through these departments, they come up with the money that is going to be spent across the state for education, school education, public school education. And they can look at the numbers of kids that are in public education and then look at the, the numbers of students around the nation that are in school but are either being homeschooled or going to private school. They know those numbers, so they can compute how much it costs the taxpayers to educate these kids in public school. Now, the whole concept of school choice works this way. The state knows how much money it costs to educate each of these kids. They're doing it. They're paying for them at a number every year. Well, where does that money come from? Well, it comes from the government. No, it comes from the taxpayers. It doesn't matter if you got a kid going to private school, Catholic school, or public school. It costs X number of dollars to educate those kids. So what's happening here is the hard left people like AFT President Randy Weidgarden, who's the head of the unions, they look at what's happening as it's undemographic. It's undemocratic, she said. It's the epitome of democratic operations of schools. Here's what they're scared of. You give mom and dad a check or a voucher that they can take to whatever school they want their kids to go to for whatever reason or reasons. They look at the states taking that money, not away from the education department because it's going to go directly to teaching kids, public and private, who decide to go that way. So what are moms and dads going to do? What are they going to do about choice? Well, they say it's going to destroy our democracy. It won't. What it'll do, it will create capitalism in education. Well, we're going to have schools that don't get money, that won't have the money, and they're going to be closed. We'll have teachers out of jobs. It doesn't work that way in capitalism. You got the best product. You got the best process. That's where mom and dads are going to take those vouchers and spend to educate their kids, to really educate their kids and not indoctrinate their kids on the far-left issues that they want to force down the throats of all of our children. Well, we'll, we'll lose teachers. 
We'll lose schools. No, what will happen if it's going to be considered democratic, schools will change and they will therefore examine, do research and find out why any parents want their kids going to this or that school and make the changes necessary for those parents to want their kids to come to your school and whoever's best, whoever educates their kids the best. That's where mom and dad are going to go. It's not going to cost the state another dime. But there'll be a bunch of teachers that'll be thrown out of the of that particular job because they're not teaching what parents think their kids need to see and hear. Have you heard the latest from the media world, social media world? came out yesterday, and it's a really big deal. It's about Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg is building a $270 million compound on the Hawaiian island of Kauai, and it comes with an apocalypse roof, apocalypse-proof bunker. He's secretly building it, we're told. Nobody working on this project is allowed to talk about what they're building. Almost anyone who walks by the compound security from carpenters and electricians to painters to security guards, they're bound by a strict non-disclosure agreement. And they say these agreements aren't just a formality. Multiple workers claim they saw or heard about colleagues removed from the project for posting about it on social media. Different construction crews within the site are assigned to separate projects and workers or forbidden from speaking with other crews about their work. It's Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. One member contract employee told the magazine, referencing a line from the popular film Fight Club, the rules are reportedly so strict that a former site worker was fired after he shared a single picture of the project on social media. The project is likewise so secretive that some have likened the compound to the lair of James Bond, the villain in those movies. Ironically, former Bond actor Pierce Brosnan reportedly lives only 10 miles from this compound. It's called Kulawi Ranch. The property includes 1,400 acres It includes a 5,000-square-foot underground bunker and even has its own energy and food supplies. Furthermore, the project has relied on legal maneuvering and political networking to bypass legal requirements. And in doing so, it's left the locals frustrated and outraged. Many of the locals think Zuckerberg's legal maneuverings are another example of outsiders moving to Hawaii and taking advantage of people already living there. Zuckerberg didn't engage much with his new neighbors, and the project hasn't gone through any public review process, as is sometimes required for construction projects on this scale. In fact, I'll tell you this, every time a project this big comes through, especially in Hawaii, they're going to examine it thoroughly, and it's going to be scrutinized like you've never seen. Neighbors don't like the secrecy either. 
Other than its sheer opulence, another aspect of the project that has dismayed the islanders is the intense secrecy in which it's being carried out. One of Zuck's first acts was to erect a mile-long, six-foot-high wall made from volcanic rock around much of the property. Local people say it's destroyed their idyllic views of the coast. While down on the beach below, which Zuckerberg hasn't been able to buy yet, visitors have to put up with being watched from guard huts dotted along the edge of the tycoon, uh, tycoon's land. To their critic, Zuckerberg and his wife have at least made some overtures to try to endear the locals to them. Their local charity, the Chan Zuckerberg Kauai Community Fund, has given more than $20 million to various Kauai nonprofits since 2018. With Zuckerberg's status as a major philanthropist, come those political connections. Zuckerberg and Chan have also established a relationship with Kauai Mayor Derek Kawakami, hard to say, Kawakami, holding meetings to discuss funding local initiatives during a 2018 flooding crisis and at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. In March of 2021, the couple helped relaunch a county jobs program with a $4.2 million donation, gave $3.5 million to local COVID-19 assistance. They reportedly also hired a guy named Errol Kanashiro, then sitting chair of the Kauai County Council, to provide agricultural consultants. They also handed a $4 million gift to help the local nonprofit Malama Hawaii to be able to purchase a traditional Hawaiian fish pod. Yet even given all this help, some are still griping. Every Have you been to Hawaii? We've been several times. It's a great place. I think the very best thing about it is it's so different from the rest of the nation. It's very obvious. It sits out in the middle of the Pacific. And those islands are different even from other islands and other parts of the world that we've been to. Now, if you're looking for bleached white sand and crystal blue clear water, uh, you're not going to find that, not to the level that most people think Hawaii is. But it's a different lifestyle. You don't get in a hurry anywhere on any of the Hawaiian islands. The people there, they call it Hawaii time. They're slow. They're late on most things. They're not in a hurry. And they're pretty much always relaxed. And that aggravates a bunch of people who spend a lot of money to go there and to stay there. And they want excellent service while they're there. Most Hawaiian residents, they don't agree with that, and they don't give a rip what you think about it. They're going to operate on Hawaii time, period. Where's my favorite part of Hawaii? Maui, southwest Maui. I know northwest side where the big fire just destroyed many beautiful places up there. It's gone. It'll never be the same, probably, not in not in my lifetime. And it's still a good place to go, but it's a long way to go. Time difference is also tough to deal with. And it is expensive. 
You know what I'm talking about. It is very costly to go and stay there. But I think everybody needs to try it out. At least once. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. American Ladders and Scaffolds, deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup, installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving, fall protection, ladder and scaffold training and inspections, little giant ladders, Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. And now, Mr. Robert Goulet reads from The Writings of Bart, the collected after-school blackboard writings of young Bart Simpson. Mr. Goulet. I will not trade pants with others. I will not do that thing with my tongue. I will not Xerox my butt. A burp is not an answer. I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. I will not eat things for money. I will not bring sheep to class. I will not instigate revolution. My name is not Dr. Death. To experience all of Bart's blackboard writings, watch every classic episode of The Simpsons. I will not call the principal Spudhead. The Simpsons, now five times a week. Getting to do something, and I say it all the time. I'm we we are have we have the capacity to monitor the locations, and when I say locations, I'm not talking about addresses. I'm talking about cities and states in the United States, and for overseas locations, the name of the town or city they're in, and the country they're in. And I need to call everybody out that is listening and say thank you. And we have a big crowd. I don't know how people up in the Northeast heard about TNN Live other than maybe somebody told them about a story we published or something we said on the show and they go download the podcast after the fact. Word of mouth is probably the best kind of marketing and advertising, but for some reason, and we have a really big crowd from Boston, Beantown. I love Boston. I love to go up there. One of my best memories is uh, many years ago, um, had a client up there, a 
hospital up there, and me and two friends decided we're Harley riders. We decided we would fly up to the airport in Boston and rent Harleys and take a trip through Massachusetts on up the East Coast. And we did just that. We spent a lot of time in Boston, great food, great people, and even up the East Coast. I love it up there. And I want to thank all of you from that part of the country today, especially that are listening in and tell you Merry Christmas, and I hope you have an amazing holiday. Now, coming up in just a minute, I told you we were going to hear from expert, constitutional expert, Jonathan Turley, Dave Rubin has some comments with him. But before we go there, I don't know if you heard this early this morning, the Palestinian Hamas terrorist group, they just cut off negotiation yesterday with Israel. Hamas is demanding a a lull. They want to call it a lull, a ceasefire, whatever. But they're demanding that all of that has to be stopped before there are any more talks about releasing any of the hostages that are still under Palestinian Hamas terrorist control. And that's closing in on Hamas leaders in Gaza. That's probably what's going on here. They know their days are numbered. A Hamas statement claims that it will not agree to free any more hostages or even negotiate over them until the end of this war. The stance, that stance, which has been trotted out by the terror group before, It comes amid intense talks for a possible deal that would see hostages released in exchange for Palestinian inmates in Israeli prison to be released. The group already claims it will not accept a temporary truce. That's all in the shadows of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. What he said yesterday, Israel would continue the war to eliminate Hamas even if negotiations continued. So pressure for talks, it rose during last weekend after the tragic deaths of three Israeli hostages who managed to get free of their Hamas captors. Israeli soldiers mistook them from afar for being terrorists. Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, that's another Iran-backed group, sought to exploit the moment that moment to press publicly for a permanent ceasefire as a condition of negotiations. Meanwhile, the Israeli public remains committed to this fight, even though there's also support for talks to free hostages. Palestinian rocket attacks against Israel continued. A large salvo was fired from a Hamas-controlled area of central Gaza toward Tel Aviv and central Israel as well, but caused no injuries. As a matter of fact, one of those live I saw on air on Fox News as those rockets started coming into the outskirts of Tel Aviv. Let me say this. It's pretty darn spooky and scary. Now, we can't get, we being anybody from the West, we can't get accurate numbers that are reliable about how many Hamas soldiers have been killed and how many civilians have been killed in this attack. But we can say, we get numbers about the Israeli military members that have died in this. It's up to 132 as of this morning, the latest numbers we have. Now, honestly, watching and knowing what's going on and how 
barbaric these actions have been and the commitment that Israel has. Benjamin Netanyahu, prime minister, said, absolutely, we are not stopping under any circumstances unless and until every member of Hamas is dead. I don't believe I've ever heard from any leader on earth that as a condition for stopping ending a war. I'm not a Palestinian sycophant. I'm not. I think the Palestinian people in that part of the world, they are haters. Typically, they hate the Israeli people. Many Israeli people hate Palestinian. You throw into the mix Hamas and uh, the other proxies that Iran uses like Hezbollah and others, you throw that in together, there is very little sentiment that's positive either way in that part of the world. And it's not going to change. They have been bitter enemies since those civilizations began way, 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 way back. You know the story. Abraham, the father of Israel, his wife, Sarah, God had promised them a son. Sarah gets to be close to 100 years old, and the two acknowledge it's no way. If he's going to be the father of the nation of Israel, Abraham's got to have a biological son. So Sarah said, look, I'm tired of you griping about it to me. Here's my handmaiden. Get her pregnant and get your son. Well, what's a man going to say? (laughs) Going to turn his wife down for that? So he fathered a son, Ishmael, with the handmaiden. And the handmaiden was of Palestinian descent. Lo and behold, Abraham and Sarah, they get pregnant at that late stage in their lives. And they have Isaac. Isaac was the first son of the father of Israel. And those two sectors of life, the Palestinians and the Jews, have been bitter enemies since then. That's what started it all. You got that for free. I told you about constitutional expert Jonathan Turley. I have have a lot of respect for him. Yesterday, he's one of those experts that weighed through all of the yeses and nos, ins and outs of this action taken by the Colorado Supreme Court as it pertains to the United States, our election system, based upon the real stuff, the Constitution. Listen to this explanation by Jonathan Turley. To call this an insurrection for the purposes of disqualification uh, would create a slippery slope. Watch this. This one's going to blow your mind because every now and again, and I like to give credit where credit is due, every now and again on mainstream media, a sane voice is heard. Now, this guy's not always sane. We've played some clips of him over the years. But every now and again, it breaks through even on CNN, MSNBC, et cetera. Watch this. This is Jonathan Turley. He's a, he's a presidential historian, if I'm not mistaken. Or is he a lawyer or a presidential historian? I will find out on the other side, but take a look. Well, this court just handed partisans on both sides uh, the ultimate tool to try to uh, shortcut elections. And it's very, very dangerous. I mean, this country is a powder keg, and this court is just throwing matches at it. And I think that 
Uh, it's a real mistake. But I think that they're wrong on the law. You know, January 6th was many things, most of it not good. In my view, it was not an insurrection. It was a riot. That doesn't mean that the people responsible for that day shouldn't be held accountable. Uh, but to call this an insurrection for the purposes of disqualification uh, would create a slippery slope for every state in the union. This is a time when we actually need democracy. We need to allow the, the voters to vote. We need to hear their decision. And the court here just said, you're not going to get that. Uh, in Colorado, we're not going to let you vote for Donald Trump. Wow. And, you know, you can dislike yeah. Trump. You can believe he's responsible for January 6th. But this isn't the way to do it. I mean, it is, you know, for the people that say they're trying to protect democracy, this is hands down the most anti-democratic opinion I've seen in my lifetime. You guys know I'm not above correcting myself. That was not sanity breaking through on CNN or MSNBC. My bad. That was Fox News. I guess it's not that surprising that they brought on Turley. Turley is a lawyer and a professor, by the way. Uh, but of course, everything he said there was right. The very people who purport to be defending democracy from Donald Trump are the people who are taking the front runner out or hoping to take the front runner out of the race. That is not protecting democracy. And even if Again, you thought that what happened on January 6th was really, really bad, and you thought Trump had something to do with it. If we just start saying, well, the will of the people should just be ignored, right? And certain states will just decide who people can vote for, right? So let's say, let's say they get away with this. Let's say Colorado actually gets away with this. For some reason, it doesn't get to the Supreme Court, or the Supreme Court doesn't reverse it if it does get there. What precedent have we now set? Well, any state on any given moment can be like, all right, we're just not going to put that guy on the ballot. What, what would stop California the next time from saying, you know, they have a highly partisan court, they have a highly partisan uh, you know, system from top to bottom. What would them stop them from saying, all right, we're not going to put Republicans on the ballot anymore? I mean, not that Republicans ever win anything there, but you get the point. Like once we do this, you're just sort of removing any validity from the system. And that is a huge, huge problem. You know what the result is going to be about all this stuff that's happening so far in the wake of that rendering by the Colorado Supreme Court is every day we're going to hear more and different opinions and the gap between the hardcore leftists and conservatives, including the mega MAGA conservatives, the right-wing extremists. That's what the left calls us. Of course, there's nothing extreme about what they do and what they support, right? You're going to hear perspectives every day until this issue is resolved. Now, you may grow tired of it, but I encourage you, not only listen to it, but delve into the meat of what you're hearing, watching, and saying, and what other people are saying, because this is probably going to be the most important Supreme Court decision that's made. It will dwarf the decision that did away with Roe v. Wade. And we thought that was going to be monstrous. It is, and it was then, when the determination was made by the Supreme Court. It's important. It's a big deal. But this one? and how it looks on the other side of what's about to happen at the Supreme Court will determine the history going forward of the United States of America. 
Did you get that? This decision that we hope is about to be made at the Supreme Court, it's going to set the most powerful precedent for any issue regarding the constitutionality of anything. The greatest, most important decision in United States history. So don't shy away from it. Don't tire of it. You may hear somebody say something twice or hear a version of it, but basically the same technical ideology a couple of times. But don't shy away from it and don't say, I'm tired of hearing about that. This, if it stands the way the Colorado Supreme Court wants it to stand and adjudicated it would be for the voters in Colorado, that will change the face of the nation and it will never come back to where it's been in your lifetime and mine so far. This one, folks, if this horse gets out of the barn, you'll never put it back in. So stay informed. And when you have conversations with people about this and you're confident that you have come to a place where you can, based on the rule of law that you have learned and processed, make a constitutional argument or have a constitutional discussion with somebody, don't shy away. There are too many people in this nation that they lock on a single news source or maybe two or three, and they never hear or watch or read any differing opinions about big issues. And unless they get that with an explanation from somebody that they don't know about, how do we expect them to change their ideology and trust what we're saying? It's mob rule. You heard me use that a little while ago. Right now, Democrats are, hey, if you're talking about something Democrats don't support, I'm not going to listen to what you say because I'm a Democrat. And y'all are anti-democratic, whoever y'all turns out to be. You got to understand this. All the big issues right now, I guess the three big ones. Of course, now we have this voting thing. That's one of the big three. Another, our horrendous economy that Joe Biden is beating it to death every day, spending money and driving the cost of everything through the roof and borrowing money. Do you know the way he's got it said now, every year we're going to have to pay $1 trillion on our debt. And that's not a diminishing scale of our debt obligation, $1 trillion a year. All that does is pay the interest. Now think about that. How in the heck can we ever sustain that? You know what we get every year in tax revenues at the government? Four trillion. That's top line number. And so 25% of that goes to the bank already. So we're we don't have a four trillion dollar income, gross income coming in. We got to subtract 25% of it to pay the bill, just the interest. And I don't see any indication in this government and the legislation that they have passed and put in place, I don't see it stopping. They're going to continue to spend more money than they have. So as a subsequent response to much of this stuff, the massive spending, the expense of everything going through the roof and continuing to go through the roof, 
Don't listen to what you hear any Democrats say. The economy's doing good. Trust your own eyes, ears, and checkbooks or ATM card. Inflation is far worse than anybody actually, even Republicans, feel like it is. More and more and more we're finding out we are in a place economically as a nation we've never been. It's that bad. Maybe even wartime during World War I, World War II, the Iraq War, and of course the one we're seeing play out now. And in part because of the money, Democrat-run states are seeing their population dry up. This is from some new Census Bureau data. Oregon, California, Illinois, New York, Pennsylvania, all states with Democrat governors, Democrat-controlled state legislatures, lost between 0.01% and 0.52% of their populations between July of 22 and July of 23. That's according to the Census Bureau. Left-leaning states experienced similar declines in the lead-up to the 2020 census, which led to them losing seats in the House of Representatives and votes in the Electoral College, an outcome that could occur again in 2030 if current trends keep going. On its face, the trends look pretty bad for Democrats as it relates to House reapportionment. That's according to Cook Political Report Dave Wasserman. But it's also premature to extrapolate trends from the last three years onto the next seven years, he said. In all likelihood, we'll see a continued shift from California, New York, Illinois, and Pennsylvania to the Sun Belt and more Republican-leaning states. However, the magnitude of that shift is what's up in the air. New York saw the largest exodus experiencing a net population loss of just over 101,000 people. California saw the second worst net loss at 75,000 people, followed by Illinois' loss of 33,000. A spokesman for the California governor's office said that the state's population decline was less this year than it was the year prior. West Virginia, which is a Republican-run state, also saw population decline. Louisiana, which has a Democrat governor and a Republican state legislature, we lost population. Some states, by contrast, saw substantial population gains. Who are they? The obvious. Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Arizona saw the largest net gains. Each state grew by 1% or more. Texas added right at half a million more residents than it lost, and Florida, a close second, saw a net increase of 365,000. Each of the five states with the largest net population gains, listen to this, have Republican-controlled legislatures. Four out of the five have Republican governors. Wasserman told the Daily Caller that his his suspicion is that people leaving traditionally Democrat states, they move to more Republican ones, are likely more conservative than people in their home states, but also more liberal than people in the states they're moving to. So what does that mean? Well, the census calculated these numbers by estimating the base population of states 
adding births, subtracting deaths, and adding the net migration into the state. Some conservatives are very leery of all of the leftists, the Democrat-leaning, coming from these Democrat hard-left states to their states, and they're actually telling them, hey, we want you to come here and just drop into what we've achieved here in our state, but leave your far-left politics, leave them where you're coming from. One 2021 report from an economist at the Texas Public Policy Foundation and Stephen Moore, co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, they found that New York's high taxes would lead to a net loss of a million residents over a decade. New York's 2022 to 23 population decline, it's right in line with their predictions. 30% of Californians, meanwhile, said they're considering leaving the state because of what? Its laws are not in line with their personal views. Left-leaning states like New York, Illinois, and California lost House seats following the 2020 census, while right-leaning states like Texas, Florida, and Montana gained seats. The American Redistricting Project estimates that if current population trends hold, conservative states will continue to pick up House seats while their liberal counterparts will lose seats again. I bet you hadn't heard some of that, if not all of that. So the feds now have finally got off their butts and they're objectively watching what's happening at our southern border and trying to determine where that, all of that mess down there, 8 million illegals. And that's a conservative number on Joe Biden's watch during his presidency, 8 million. How are we going to process that moving forward? What can be done? And even more so, what are we going to do? U.S. officials are now encountering a big number of migrants from one African nation, Senegal. Now, what the heck are they coming? Where is Senegal? It's halfway up on the left side of Africa. S-E-N-E-G-A-L, Senegal or Senegal. There are groups posing as travel agencies in the capital of Senegal. And this so-called travel agency group, they help migrants get to the U.S.-Mexico border by obtaining a visa to travel through the European Union. Border Patrol had more than 23,000 migrants in custody as of last night, according to internal agency data obtained by Daily Caller. Pseudo-legitimate travel agencies. They're emerging in cities like Dakar, advertising travel to the United States. Here's what they do. They advertise visa-free travel to Europe to Senegal, which when you get a Shenangan visa, that's what they call somebody or something from Senegal, it allows you to travel to the Western Hemisphere, anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. They sell complete packages. The package will connect them to a smuggling organization that then will facilitate their movement up to the border of the U.S. 
a Border Patrol agent that's apprehended some Senegalese migrants in recent weeks, said that it's difficult to vet these people because they'll be heard speaking English before their interviews when they say they don't speak English. They'll be talking, and then you start questioning, and all of a sudden, they don't speak English anymore. So as these illegals continue to cross the southern border illegally in record numbers, Border Patrol has closed ports of entry in San Ysidro, California, Lukeville, Arizona, El Paso, and Eagle Pass, Texas, redirecting more than 100 Office of Field Operation employees, as well as law enforcement personnel from other agencies to help the Border Patrol. The agency has also recruited the assistance of the Bureau of Prisons to help transport illegal migrants. The encounter levels we are currently seeing across the southwest border are presenting a serious challenge to the men and women of Border Patrol. To meet these challenges, we are using every available resource to ensure the safety and security of our agents and officers, and the migrants are often misled and victimized by the transnational criminal organizations. These smugglers are recklessly putting migrants into harm's way in remote locations across the border, onto the tops of trains, or into the waters of the Rio Grande River. We continue to go after the smugglers and are implementing new measures to impose consequences on transportation companies. That includes bus and van lines used by smuggling organizations and other nefarious actors to move migrants through northern Mexico and to our southwest border. Lawbreakers are going to break laws. Haters are going to hate. Cheaters are going to cheat. All they're doing, folks, is just being who they are. And I don't care what anybody says, a huge, massive majority of those 8 million that came across, we're told 8 million, a huge majority of those, first of all, are not going to be adjudicated to be able to claim asylum. There are specific circumstances that those that come in that want to get the asylum goal, which means they get to stay here and be waiting for their court date. If we, as they get here, if our government will simply say, you're not going to stay, you've got to prove now that your desire and your being here is legal. Anybody else, according to law, has got to be kicked out of the country. And we'll be kind. We'll transport them back to their country of origin where they came from. But even if we get that all cleaned up, which I don't see it happening anytime soon, are we going to be able to, as a nation, financially sustain that while still doing the things that we have to do and expecting our government to do them in the right in the legal way, that ain't ever going to happen with this administration in power. Joe, Joe Biden, he thumbs his nose at the rule of law, and he's not a leader. Even if what he said yesterday about what happened out in Colorado, even if he believes what he said is true, he shouldn't say it. He was asked by a reporter on the tarmac at an airport up in Minnesota, he was going to speak up there. 
And the guy asking, the reporter asking, Mr. President, do you think Donald Trump committed insurrection? And of course, Biden, as he always does, he opens his mouth, sticks his foot in it, and he said he was trying to be kind and not get in the middle of it. But he said, ah, we're going to let the courts decide that. But he didn't stop there. He said, of course he committed insurrection. Everybody knows that. That everybody knows that. That thing, that line is a purposely perfected line by every politician that wants to deflect what really is going on. And in this case, there is no insurrection. First of all, there's no definition, hardcore definition of insurrection that's used in the Constitution when it refers to that. Secondly, Donald Trump has never been charged with insurrection. And old Jack, the special prosecutor, you can book it if there were any details of the actions of Donald Trump on January 6th and after that that rise to the level of insurrection, oh my gosh, that would have been the first thing he jumped on. But it's not even mentioned. And by the way, Trump's never been prosecuted for anything, criminal or otherwise, that happened on January 6th because of him. It hadn't happened. There's this amazingly powerful principle in the United States of America that has kept this nation number one on the planet. And what is that? Our default place to go on all things regarding criminal actions of anybody against anybody, it's to go to the rule of law. And where does that come from? comes from the United States Constitution. There's no way to legally go any other way when you confront any stuff like this. Yeah, Joe Biden, the Biden administration, Alejandro Mayorkas, many of the Democrats in Congress and around the country, they're all in. They're all in for open the southern border. They know it's wrong. They know it's illegal what they're suborning. And Joe Biden and his minions are breaking laws, federal immigration laws themselves, by suborning illegal immigration in the United States in contravention of the Constitution. Will they be held accountable? Your guess is as good as mine. But we do know this. Excuse me. Excuse me. Don't interrupt me. (laughs) It's still to be determined. The book is out. But we're going to find out in the Trump case and also in the illegal immigrants case. And between now and 2024, November, there's going to be a lot of water under the bridge. Stay tuned. You guys have a wonderful day. We'll be back. We may have a shortened show tomorrow morning. I don't know yet. We've got some plans. We may have special guests on here. That's still up in the air. But we're going to be here same time tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock a.m. Central Time. Get some more of your shopping done. Go have lunch with a friend. Make the day a good one. And we'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh.
together with you. Let's take the road before us and sing a chorus or two. Come on, it's lovely weather for us. Lay right together with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, it's grand. Just holding your hand. It'll be the perfect ending of a perfect day. We'll be singing the songs we love to sing without a single stop. At the fireplace while we watch the chestnut pop. Pop, pop, pop. There's a happy feeling nothing in the world can buy. As they pass around the coffee and the pumpkin pie. It'll nearly be like a picture print by career and I. Wonderful things, all the things we remember all through our lives. Just hear the sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Let's take that road before us and sing another chorus to do. Come on, it's lovely Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da